0: will bless the lord at all time his praise shall continually be in my mouth my soul shall make her boast in the lord the humble shall hear thereof and be glad oh magnify the lord with me let us exalt his name together greetings beloved in the matchless marvelous majestic and magnanimous name of our lord and savior jesus the christ i greet you this thursday Uh, with Jesus' joy and with Holy Ghost happiness. Certainly grateful and thankful that you've decided to join us for the New Testament Word Walk and the New Testament Word Walk podcast with Pastor Jay that comes from the St. James Missionary Baptist Church located in the great city of Rocky Mount, North Carolina. I pray and trust all as well with you and yours. I pray that you've got your uh, study material, you've got your Bible, you've got your note-taking material, and you are ready to dive in to what promises to be a very insightful lesson as we continue in our study of Paul's letter to his spiritual son, Timothy. Um, We're dealing with 1 Timothy now, we're looking at 1 Timothy, and we're zeroing in on chapter three. We're continuing our discussion from last week on chapter three, as we are discussing from the subject, Learning to Love Leadership as the third lesson to the local church. I pray that you're ready to dive in, but before we dive in, you all know we take a moment to pray and seek God's guidance and God's direction. I wanna invite you now to join me now. Let's pray together. Eternal God, our gracious and heavenly Father, we say thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this privilege. Thank you for this blessing of your word and being able to study your word, read your word, gain knowledge and understanding of your word. We're so glad to know that even though the grass may wither and the flowers may fade, your word will stand forever. And so now God, as we've come together for this time of study and understanding, I ask that you would open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts, that we might receive the truth of your word and allow our steps to be ordered by your word. As always, God, I ask for clarity of speech and thought that we will rightly divide this your word to these your people. Thank you for this chance and for every chance it is in the name of Jesus. We pray and we praise. Amen and amen. So, beloveds, it's always a pleasure to be with you, and I'm certainly grateful and thankful that you are finding something in this Bible study that you're coming back each and every Thursday. And equally to those of you all who are following us via the podcast on all of the major markets, I might add. I'm certainly grateful and thankful for the opportunity to spread God's glorious gospel throughout the ends of his great globe. And so I'm certainly thankful and uh, appreciative to each of you who are following, those of you who are commenting and who are dialoguing with us as we are walking through 1 Timothy. Uh, We have already talked about the importance of the word for the local church. We've talked about the power of prayer um, for the local church. And so now we're engaging in a conversation of learning to love and embrace leadership as it relates to the local church. For the last couple of weeks, we've been dealing with uh, the bishop, the pastor, the elder, understanding their role and their qualification. Um, I've shared with you throughout the last couple of weeks, the importance of leadership. Understanding that leadership does have a very important role in the local church. Um, understanding that the bishop, the elder, the pastor should be those who possess such level of maturity and experience that they are able to lead, feed, guide, and guard. For the last couple of weeks, we've talked about several of the uh, qualifications or the the model leadership what should be found in a leader we have talked about that for the last few weeks basically understanding that leadership is a gift to the church Uh, we've talked about those 16 qualifications understanding that they must be blameless they must be they must have rather one spouse they must be vigilant they must be sober they have to be orderly they have to know how to keep their lives structured in order they must always be hospitable one who's always given to hospitality one who is ready or as the king james version says who is apt to teach um, ready to teach at all time at the same time it's one that possesses such self-control that they are not a drunkard uh, or drinking to the point of loss of self-control we also talked about the A pastor, a bishop, a leader, being somebody who's not always combative, always looking for a fight. He knows how to govern himself and keep himself um, in a spirit of peace and not in pieces. Um, Nor does he preach for money. Um, The pastor, the leader should not be one who preaches for money. He must be patient. He must be patient. He must be patient. Remember, the Word of God says, and we'll get to it in 2 Timothy, that he must convict, challenge, correct, and celebrate with all patience and with teaching of the Word of God. And then he must be a peacemaker. He must be one that strives for peace, realizing that even if there are moments that there are disagreements, They still must be able to be agreeable or in agreeable spirit. We must be able to disagree and not be disagreeable. We've looked at the ones that say that they're not covetous. They don't desire something that God does not want for them. Um, they are those who are seeking to do things that bring glory and not shame to the name of the Lord. Um, when we talk about not being covetous, it basically means that they don't cover covet rather what they see others deal with. Um, they don't covet the larger congregation or covet the membership that another pastor may have. They are thankful to serve what God has given them. We talked about the family life. You must have a godly family. The word of God makes it clear. We talked about that last week, that if a man cannot take care of his own house, how can he handle the house of God? And then of course, we wrapped up talking about the fact that they must not be a new believer, must not be a novice, but possess a strong character outside of the church walls. It's one thing to have the church to say something about you, but what does the community say about you as a leader? What do those who are unchurched say about you? Do the unchurched respect you as a leader uh, in the body of Christ? And it's all in basically understanding how the bishop, the elder, the pastor carries himself as a leader, both in, and outside of the church. Never should do anything that's gonna cause any disgrace or any shame to come upon the church. So that's where we left off last week. We looked at uh, the last, the first seven verses, rather, of 1 Timothy chapter three last week. We wanna continue in this discussion by changing roles and looking at the second biblical office of the church. The second biblical office, the first biblical office being the pastor, the bishop, the elder. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13, we take a look at the second biblical office of the church. The second biblical office of the church is that of the deacon, the deacon, the deacon. When we talk about the deacon, let's make sure that we understand a couple of things as it relates to the deacon. When we look at the deacon, the word deacon comes from the Greek word diakonos, diakonos, which simply means a servant. All right. Uh, It is believed and we're going to reference it here in just a moment. It is believed that the origin of the ministry of the deacon the leadership ministry of the deacon and I use it that way because in a lot of our churches one of the first lessons that we must understand is that there is no such thing as a board of deacons or the deacon board there is no such thing no such thing as a matter of fact to use that is almost taking it out of scriptural context To use the words deacon board or to use it to define the deacons ministry as a board takes it out of biblical context, simply because think about this, the board controls. The board controls. And if you are calling the deacons, the deacon board, you have etymologically taken the word out of context. Etymologically simply means the study of words. When you study the word deacon from its original Greek translation, you would come to understand that a deacon is a servant. A deacon is a servant. As a matter of fact, while we've got a moment, let's go ahead and take a look at it. Acts chapter six is where I want to go for just a moment or two. Let's let's reference it because it is believed that that is the first place where deacons were actually uh, spoken of and brought into play in the word of God. So we're gonna begin there, Acts chapter six. Let's begin at verse number one, and I'm gonna read down to verse number six. Acts chapter six, verses one through six. In the English Standard Version, we find these words recorded. Now in these days, whom we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to ministry of the word. Verse five, and what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nakana, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Now, a couple of things that I want to point out in Acts chapter six, before we dive into the qualifications that Paul gives Timothy, you understand that deacons came about, watch this, to keep peace. Deacons came about because the church was growing. And the church was growing in such a way that the apostles could not handle every area of ministry. Notice there that the apostle said it's not good for us to leave our assignment of prayer and study of the word to serve tables, tables of the poor tables of the needy, the table of the Lord's Supper, or the table of remembrance. They were constantly doing those things that they had no time for study and prayer and preparation. Thus, the deacon was born. That's one of the reasons why we say that the deacon is, there's no such thing, rather, as a deacon board, all right? Basically, just as the deacons were put in place in Acts chapter six to relieve the apostles of serving tables. In today's church, deacons are put in place to relieve the pastor of other tasks so that the pastor can focus on study of the word, prayer, and spiritual oversight of the church. By that, I'm simply meaning, and I wanna make sure that we understand this, Deacons are there to serve the church by serving the pastor. As I teach our deacons at St. James Church, I teach them that they are there to serve as my Aaron and her did for Moses. They are there to help me stay focused on my assignment to the point that when my arms get tired, they are there to step in and to hold my arms up so that the church can be victorious. We find that even in the days of the early church, if you look at verse seven, verse seven said that once the deacons were named and the apostles laid hands on them, the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The point that I'm trying to drive here to us today as we get ready to dive into verses 8 through 13 is making sure that if you are a deacon in the local church, you are there to serve and assist your God given leadership in keeping ministry going in a spirit of love, peace and fellowship. That is the assignment of the deacon. It is not the deacon's responsibility to be the pastor's boss. It is not the deacon's responsibility to tell the pastor what he should and should not do. Amen. When you do that, you step out of your biblical role. And I cannot help but stress that. Let me say that again. You step out of your biblical role. Your biblical role as a deacon is to serve God by serving your pastor, amen. You serve God by serving your leader. You are there to assist your leader in the care and the morale of the church, amen. And oftentimes, I'm gonna say this as we dive in, deacons have got to be also careful that they are part of the solution and not part of the problem. I said it. How many times have I seen it in my time of serving the Lord's Church? Have I seen deacons who are causing a lot of confusion because you may not like the pastor or you don't agree with the pastor? This is a good time for me to say this to a deacon who might be watching. If you don't like what the pastor is doing, first of all, be Christian enough to go talk to that pastor. And even after talking to that pastor, if you feel like you cannot serve that pastor, then find enough integrity in God and in yourself to step aside. Amen. Don't cause more confusion. Be one who is a peacemaker. Amen. So we're gonna get into it. Let's get into it. Let's get into it because even though deacons are not given the authority of elders, there are certain qualifications, according to verses eight through 13, that deacons must attain. As a matter of fact, I know of many of the faithful deacons who have become elders After they prove themselves, I know a number of deacons, my dad being one of them, who served as a deacon and served as a chairman of the deacons ministry and eventually stepped into the role of preaching ministry. There is an opportunity for promotion, but it's only after you have been tested and found faithful. So let's look at it. Let's look at it. First, Timothy. Uh, Chapter number three, verses eight through 13, as we look at point number two from the lesson handout, the deacon. Let's look at these verses. Let's read these verses. And then we're going to talk a little bit about their qualifications. First Timothy, chapter three, verses eight through 13 from the English Standard Version. The word of God says deacons likewise must be dignified, not double tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain." They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Verse 11, their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children, and their their own households well. Verse 13, for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're following the handout, let me deal with a couple of points um, from the handout that we've already covered, all right? The first thing that we've talked about, letter A under point number two, is understanding that the term deacon in the Bible means servant. Comes from the Greek word diakonos, D-I-A-K-O-N-O-S, diakonos, which simply means a servant. The first time that they are mentioned in the Bible is Acts chapter six. Acts chapter 6 is the first place. According to Acts chapter 6, the deacon's main function, his main assignment was to be an assistant to the apostle. The first deacons in Acts chapter 6, their main assignment was to be an assistant to the apostle. Make it live, pastor. In 2024, the assignment of the deacon is to be an assistant to the pastor. You are to serve as your pastors, Aaron and her. When the pastor's arms are held up, the church remains victorious. In other words, you are there to encourage your pastor, to keep the stress off of your pastor, to keep the load as light on your pastor as possible. How do you do that? You do that by serving the pastor in taking care the local membership may i help the church you know let me help the church basically it is the deacon's assignment it is the deacon's assignment to assist the pastor in the care and the needs of the congregation i want to say that one more time according to acts chapter six the deacon is first appointed was first appointed to be an assistant to the pastor, amen. They are not the pastor's boss. They are to assist the pastor in the care of the membership, amen. So we understand that automatically that deacons diaconos, servant, they are not aboard. They do not control anything. They are not the pastor's boss. Biblical deacons are not the pastor's boss. You can be the pastor's voice of reason. You can be the pastor's voice of wisdom, but you are not there to tell the pastor what he can and cannot do. When you do that, you are out of order, not only biblically, but even so far as the word is defined, you're out of order. You are there to be. A servant so let's look at the qualifications. Let's look at the qualifications of a deacon. There are several they're not as many as there were with the pastor, uh, but there are several and a lot of them are identical within itself. The first one is found in verse number eight. The deacon first of all must be worthy of respect. He must be worthy of respect. The deacon must be grave. He must possess Christian character, watch this, that is worth imitating. He should take his responsibilities seriously and use the office as a servant and not just fill it for the basis of a title, amen. Let me say that again. A deacon must retake his responsibilities seriously and use the office as a servant and not fill it for the sake of title. Oftentimes, when you are worthy of respect, people speak well of you. That's important if you are going to serve as an assistant to the pastor. You need to be so worthy of respect that people can trust you. Because you are that go between you are that bridge connector between them and the pastor, just as much as the pastor is their bridge connector between them and God. You must understand that your responsibility as a deacon is to make sure that you carry yourself in such a way that people will respect you just as much, if not more. Then they respect the pastor. All right. Number one, he's got to be worthy of respect. And again, when I use that terminology, he I'm not being gender specific. I'm just using that to be gender neutral because I know a number of churches that are embracing now the concept of women serving as deacons, of which I have no problem with it. You know, I have no problem with that, because truth be told, if we look at it from a basis of biblical understanding, we are not talking about gender. And we must I must remind us of this. Remember who's writing, who's speaking. Paul made it abundantly clear that there were some things he spoke under the unction of God's Holy Spirit. But then there were some things that he spoke by permission. All right. So we got to make sure that we understand that he the deacon must be worthy of respect. Here's the second qualification that we find there. He must be dependable in his speech, dependable in his speech. The Bible says in verse eight that he should not be the deacon should not be double tongued. The deacon should not be a gossiper. The deacon should not run from house to house spreading things that were told to them in confidentiality. The deacon should have enough respect for themselves and for the people to know how to keep things confidential, including their spouse. There are some things that that we must understand, even in the local church, that when they are discussed behind closed doors and they are discussed in meetings, they need to be helped there and held there until the time has been right for it to be shared. See, oftentimes a whole lot of confusion gets started up in the church because, can I say it like I feel it, people talk too much. And oftentimes when we're talking, we don't tell it all. Amen. A deacon does not tell tales from house to house. He doesn't say one thing to one member and something totally opposite to another member. A deacon is consistent in his speech. If he said it once, he, he's able to say it five times and it never changes. Why is that so important? Why is that so important? We live in a time, if I could talk to the local church in the 21st century, we live in a time now where oftentimes people are dealing with issues that do not need to be discussed among the congregation. I'm I'm going to take this moment to just help some deacons. You are in a position of covering. You cover your pastor. You cover your church. You don't expose your pastor. You don't expose your church. You don't talk about the shortcomings of members. You don't talk about members' problems to other members. That is out of order. It's out of order. You must remember who you are. Go back with me to the book of Genesis. Remember when Noah got drunk in the book of Genesis and and, and Shem and Ham covered their father in respect. But old Japheth went running and telling folks you want to see something come in, let me show you this my dad is drunk and naked come here, let me show that's what the church does not need in leadership and servanthood we don't need folks who are talking stuff don't know what you're talking about half telling the story or even telling things that should not even be conversed over we got to learn how to keep things confidential a deacon must be dependable in his speech still in verse 8 the third thing the third qualification has to deal with the character of the Christian he must possess a Christian character the deacon must possess a Christian character in other words how do you carry yourself outside of the church how do you carry yourself on the, on the other side of the church When people come in contact with you, can they trust you? All right, what what does that say to us? That basically says that the deacon possesses a character that is a reflection of the God that he serves and the church that he serves. You are a reflection, amen. Brother and sister deacons, church bodies, the deacon is a reflection. That's why we must be also careful about who we name a deacon. That's why we got to be also careful. We'll see it when we look at Second Timothy about laying hands on people suddenly. That's why even this lesson says in, in verse number 10 that they have to be tested. They have to be proven. Let's make sure that you're going to live up to uh, what your position is and what your assignment is. Number four, they must be sound in doctrine. Verse nine, verse nine says that they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. The mystery of the faith. Let me put those up on on full screen so you can see them and I'll continue. The word mystery in the Greek simply means that it is truth that was once hidden but has now been revealed, all right? deacons should understand christian doctrine and be able to not only teach it but obey it that's why you see there with your with your points i've written that they must be a teacher and teachable all right it's not enough to just sit in meetings and it's not enough for you to think that you ought to run the church deacons must base their decisions on the Word of God, and then they back up their decisions with their lives. In other words, watch what I'm about to say, and I know this is gonna be hot, but it's gonna be heavy. Let me, let me make it live. The deacon should know the Word of God just as well as they know the church constitution. The deacon, the deacon should know the Word of God just as well, if not better, than the church bylaws because while it's good to have bylaws, while it's appropriate to have regulations that maintain order, it's important for the deacon, the pastor, and even the local church to understand that the affairs of a church are not governed by bylaws. They are governed by the Word of God. If you really want to know the truth, the Bible was the constitution or is the constitution of the church. And a deacon who does not know the Bible, cannot teach the Bible and is not teachable will be an obstacle to the local church. One of the things that blesses me so as pastor of St. James Church is to come to Bible study and to see our deacons in Bible study, to see our deacons in Sunday school, uh, to have our deacons participating and teaching new members class. It basically says that they must know the word of God. They must be able to teach the word of God. And they've got to be also able to practice the word of God. Amen. Amen. If 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 you are not willing to follow the word of God, if you're not be willing to teach the word, if you are not willing to uphold the word, if you are not willing to support the word more than your denominational guide as a biblical deacon, you're gonna find yourself in a very tough position. Now, let me share this with you as I move on. I did not say, and you hear me clearly, I did not say that the deacon should throw denominational practice out of the window, that the deacon should throw constitution and bylaws out of the window. That is not what I said. What I made abundantly clear is, is that a biblical deacon ought know the word just as strongly as they know their denominational practices. That's important because according to the 16th chapter of Matthew, Jesus said that the church was founded on the belief that he was the Christ the son of the living god that within itself is enough for the church to stand on amen amen let's let's keep moving verse 10 verse 10 says that number five the deacon must be tested and proven Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm that means that a deacon must be observed we must watch their lives See how they conduct themselves before they are even brought forth to serve as a deacon. Amen. It's right there. Verse 10, let them be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. There's that word again. Blameless simply means that if an accusation is brought up against you, There's no proof of the accusation. Didn't say you were perfect, but it simply says that even if you have imperfections, the imperfections do not come as a surprise. What a lesson for the local church in understanding people of God that we have got to stop looking for perfection to serve the church, amen. I have seen many a good preacher and many a good men and women of God turned away because of one falter, one failure. When does grace and mercy allow us to look past a brother or a sister's fault and give them a chance? Amen. There is none righteous. isn't that what the Bible says? No, not one. He must be tested. He must be tested. Amen. And how many times have we seen that throughout scripture? Joseph was tested for 13 years before he became a second ruler. Moses cared for for sheep for 40 years before God called him. And then Joshua was Moses' servant before he became his successor. David, before he was king of Israel, was found serving his father's sheep. And even Jesus himself, was a carpenter's son. The apostle Paul, a tent maker. They were first servants before they were given the opportunity to lead. Did we not just talk about this last week with the pastor? That the pastor should not be a novice, should not be new to the faith. I believe that's equally for the deacon. That the deacon should be tested, amen. An untested Christian is an unprepared Christian because an unprepared Christian weakens the testimony of the local church when he has not been proven before made an officer. See, sad but true. The church does a lot based on personality. Amen. We are more personality driven than we are spirit led. And because we are personality driven, we automatically make somebody a deacon because of who they are. And I'm going to take it a step further. We make somebody a trustee because they got a lot of money. That is so out of order. What happened to a servant's heart? What happened to people who love God and love his church and want to serve his church? Have a servant's heart. Amen. We got to make sure that they are tested. It's one of the reasons why even in St. James Church, when we present deacons, we present deacons as deacon candidates. And for one year, they undergo training. They are watched. We watch their service. We watch their interaction with members. We watch their rapport. Oftentimes, I do the same thing with ministers. You know, with ministers, I'm not the type to just ordain somebody just to be ordaining. There has got to be an assignment and you've got to be tested and proven. Amen. Amen. And then number six, the sixth one, he must have a godly house. Verse 11 and 12 deals with that. All right. When he gets to verse 11, he shifts and he says, guess what? Likewise, the deacon's wife must be dignified, not slanders, but sober minded and faithful in all things. The deacon must be married to one spouse, one spouse. The deacon's wife is part of his ministry because godliness begins at home. Therefore, the wife must be a Christian a woman or a a, a spouse who is serious about the ministry, not given the slanderous talk, not a false accuser, not one who says one thing at church and says something else outside the church, one who is consistent, one who is faithful in all that they do because here's the thing, I have seen enough damage done to the church by the spouses, of elders and deacons. Amen. I firmly believe that verses 11 and 12 not only apply to the deacon, but I believe it also applies to the pastor, the bishop, the elder. Make sure that your spouse is one who is strong in their faith, one who has the strength to understand when there's nothing to understand, one who has a a strength to hold you up, a man who holds you up to hold you up. You know, oftentimes in, in many churches we talk about deaconesses and, and in the Baptist church in particular, we talk about deaconesses being the wives of deacons. Well, you know, and I, and I to each his own, every church is different, but let's make sure that we understand that the term deaconess is nothing more biblically, according to Romans 16 and one, than a female deacon. As a matter of fact, Phoebe in Romans 16 and one was identified as a deaconess from the search of Centria. That same word deaconess comes from the root word in the Greek diakonon which simply means a female servant. The the whole point that Paul is trying to get over here is making sure that women in the church are godly. See, here's the thing ladies, brothers, gentlemen as well. You don't have to have a title to exercise a gift. May I say that again? You don't have to have a title to exercise a gift. Titles are given to you by man. Gifts are given by God. Which brings me to the last qualification of the deacon. The last qualification of the deacon, qualification number seven. Let me put them all up on full screen so you can jot them down. Number one, a deacon is worthy of respect. Number two, a deacon is dependable in his speech. He's consistent in his speech. A deacon possesses proper Christian character. A deacon is sound in the doctrine, in the word of God. He's not only able to teach it, but they must also be teachable. The deacon is tested and proven before given the assignment. The deacon's home life is equally as important as their church life. And then number seven, the deacon must be a willing worker. Look, look, look at, look at verse 13, verse 13. It says, for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the thing. The Greek word from the King James, the King James rather uses the word degree. The word degree in Greek means rank or a step or a rung on the ladder. In other words, when the deacon uses the office as a servant and chooses to use the office as a servant and not fill it for the sake of a title, God promotes him spiritually. The more you serve, the more God will give you opportunity to serve and he will give you more respect among the saints which means greater opportunity for ministry. This is one who has a good standing before God and men. This is one who can be used of God to build the church, a spiritual boldness that is made for effective ministry. It's a serious thing to serve the church, beloveds. And even in our service of the local church, we must make sure that our hearts are in it. Look again at verse 13. Those who serve well gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in their faith. The more you serve, the stronger you become. The more you serve, the more you'll want to serve. Amen. The more you serve, the more you want to serve and the more opportunities will be given for you to serve. I often teach people and I, especially as it relates to preachers of the gospel, you know, a lot of time preachers are wondering why I can't get promoted, why I can't be ordained, why I can't pastor. If you're not faithful, amen. Let me, let me, let me close here today. I'm going to wrap up right here by taking a few moments to help, uh, some preachers as well as some deacons. If you really want to see opportunities of promotion and experience come open for you, let's let's really talk about it from a church standpoint. Be faithful, be faithful. Number one, show up for church. Be on time for worship. Don't, Don't just be the first thing to, be the last thing to arrive and the first thing to leave. Don't always be the one to arrive late and leave early. Be dependable. Be dependable. Be in place. Be ready to serve. Amen. Don't don't walk around the church trying to throw your weight around saying I'm a preacher. I'm a deacon. Respect me. People do not have to respect you for your title. But people will respect you for your walk. Amen. People will respect you for your walk. People will respect you for the way you carry yourselves. People will respect you for the way you treat other people, the way you engage other people. Are you encouraging? Are you empowering? Are you pleasant? Are you accessible? Are you faithful? Are you accountable? Are you teachable? Can you be dependent upon to be at the right place at the right time, ready to serve? Amen. That's what we're talking about. Do you possess a servant's heart? And if you possess a servant's heart, then you are always ready. Saying, if I can help somebody as I travel along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show my brother that he's traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. So. We have talked about the deacon. There's one more small element that we want to look at. Next week's lesson is going to be relatively short because we're going to take a look at the final three verses of 1 Timothy chapter three. Whereas we've dealt the first seven verses, had to deal with the pastor, the bishop, the elder. Verses eight through 13 have dealt with the deacon um, as a servant to the pastor and a servant to the church in verses 14 15 and 16 we're going to talk about the church itself and the church's response to godly leadership it's going to be a very short lesson but it's going to be an insightful and a powerful one as well so as always if you have any questions from today's lesson please feel free to drop those questions in the comment section um, we, of course, are always behind the scenes and we will be found answering your questions to the best of our ability. Next week at The Lord Shall Say the Same, we'll wrap up our study of the third lesson of the local church found in First Timothy chapter three. Next week, we'll wrap up understanding uh, the need to be reminded of what the church really is. There are three pictures of the church found in these final verses of 1 Timothy chapter 3. And next week, we're going to dive in and take a look at those three pictures of the local church. Listen, beloveds, I pray that you're being blessed. I must certainly confess and admit I am truly being blessed by this walk through the Word of God as it is challenging me to make sure that I'm making my calling and my election sure. Let's make sure, as we shared, that we use our office to serve and not fill it for the sake of a title. Let's make sure that we must serve the present age, our calling to fulfill. Oh, may it all my power engage because I want to do the master's will. Join me now in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we say thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this privilege to be able to share your word with your people. God, I pray now that what has been shared has been found pleasing in your sight and to the glory of your name. God, I pray today for deacons across God's great globe, those who have been called to servant leadership. God, I pray now that you would anoint them afresh. Help them to realize the awesome responsibility that they have to hold up their pastor's arms. Help them to realize the awesome responsibility they have to serve as assistants to their leader. God, I pray that you give them servant's hearts. Give them servant attitudes, God. Give them enough integrity to want to hold up their pastor's arms that the church will remain victorious. God, I tell you, thank you for it right now we love you we bless you we praise you now and always this is my prayer in the name of jesus i pray amen amen and amen thank you so much for joining us for this segment of the new testament word walk and of course the new testament word walk podcast with pastor jay i pray that this message has been a blessing to you i would dare i would dare close our time of study and our walk through the Word without giving someone an opportunity who does not know Jesus Christ to accept Him as Lord and Savior of their lives. What must I do to be saved? Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 says that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you will believe in your heart that God have raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. In just a moment, information is going to appear on the screens as to how you may be found making your decision for the kingdom. How you may be found making that decision to make Jesus the head of your life so that you may be found serving him to the best of your ability. If you desire to become a part of our ministry, all you'll have to do is that information appears is text SJMBC virtual to the text code of 84576. A reply box is, is going to return asking for some contact information and members of our Church Beyond Wall staff will be found reaching out to you, ministering with you, praying with you, offering counsel, offering next steps. We are here to serve you as a member of the kingdom and the body of Christ. Won't you make that decision now? Do it now. Make that decision. It will be one of the greatest decisions of your life. Until next week, may God's blessings and favor be upon you. Be blessed. Be safe. And know as always, beloved, we love you all.